102.7 ESPN Studios in Austin, Texas. This is the Jeff Ward Show. Hey, welcome to our little show. Here's how it works. I riff on stuff and you respond. Pretty straightforward. The phone number is 512-834-1027. That's 512-834-1027. You can follow me on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week. I'm at Jeff Ward Show. You want to post comments on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, do so. Just get to the point. Please don't suck. Try to make the show better if you can. That's at Jeff Ward Show. Check out the show podcast. We drop a podcast every single afternoon. You can get the Jeff Ward Show podcast wherever you download your podcast. I would suggest you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We drop that each afternoon also, even though I look like Shrek. You know what I would love to not do? And that's talk about the fake college football playoff that's not really a playoff. Every day I think I say, I don't want to talk about this and get trapped into talking about this. It's not fun. People that say that it's interesting and it makes the conversation compelling and it's, you just shut up. It's not interesting at all. It's really not. But, but here we are. For pretty good reason, I have to say. This time, the discussion and my advice, yes, advice, I'm going to offer some. And I think a lot of you will agree, um, my advice is necessary. The current setup of a committee of bureaucrats, that numbers 13 bureaucrats that offer up their opinion of the best four teams is mind-numbing. And it's unfair. It's just not, (laughs) it's no way to operate. And we are now staring at an unfair situation in the worst kind of way. But here we are, and your local professional college football team is set up to now get screwed. Now, that's not something I ever say. It's not something I've ever said before in all my years, because the local professional college football team, it doesn't get screwed. That doesn't happen. The University of Texas does the screwing. Got it? It doesn't go the other way around. They screw over everyone else. It never happens to the University of Texas. And I mean ever. So the rankings of the College Football Committee of 13 bureaucrats that meet that bagels and cigarettes at an airport Hilton, uh, the current rankings go like this. And a lot of people now know them. They're chatting about them and all that stuff. So... Georgia won, Michigan two, whose coach I love the fact that he has been suspended more games than he's coached and gets a raise. Uh, Georgia one, Michigan two, uh, Washington three, Florida State four, Oregon five, Ohio State six, and your Texas Longhorn seven, and Alabama is uh, eight. Okay, there's there's the issue. All right, here we go. Uh, some advice. Okay. Um, Does the committee follow any rules and reasoning? The answer is no. It's opinion. It's opinion. It's whatever's in front of their face in that moment. They've yet to share any sort of real strategy, any sort of data, any sort of uh, metric whatsoever. It's opinion. It is no better than any other system the college game has ever known. This is just ridiculous. But it is what it is. Um, The what-if game has been nauseating. And 
but we're left with no choice this time. The what-if game now is is real and it's different and it's got to be addressed. It's got to be shared. Uh, what-ifs are as simple as the top four. It could all work out like this. It could. It's not that far off. It, it could work out very easily, and that would be the four undefeated teams all win their conference championship games. And next Monday, everyone says... Shut up, Jeff. You suck. That committee of 13 people meeting in a Ramada Inn got it just right. They knew exactly what they were doing. That could happen on Monday. I'm not going to acknowledge the 13 people meeting at the airport, Ramada, know what they're doing because there's no plan. This is a dumb way to settle anything. The NFL doesn't do it this way, and that's all you need to know. But it's entirely possible that it works out. All four undefeated teams representing the biggest leagues are all in, done, end of story, we move on. And in fact, we probably think how cool it is. It may happen that way. Then again, it may not. So we're back to may not. You get to the uh, not-so-far-out ideas. You start to peel away at these. Let's don't peel away at too many because it'll make your face hurt. Let's get to the, uh, the potential. The rare, I mean, no, it's not rare. It's never happened before. Texas doesn't get screwed. Doesn't happen, okay? Or they'll sue you or just buy you out. Doesn't happen. So let's get to that because it's set up that way. The not-so-far-out idea that Florida State, an undefeated team that deserves to be where they are at, uh, what is it, four? Yeah. Um. The issue is they've lost their starting quarterback, and since they lost their starting quarterback, it's been a struggle. So the not-so-outrageous idea is that they would play badly in their conference championship game and lose. Okay, Uh, Oregon beating Washington or even Alabama beating Georgia doesn't really make it that complicated because those winners would be in. Okay, They'll be in the ridiculous four-team tournament that's not really a tournament. But if Florida State, a team that's trying to find itself right now in a two-week period, understandably trying to find itself in a two-week period, if they were to lose against Louisville, okay, the screaming sound you should hear, I'm not saying would hear, I'm going to actually say I'm behind my alma mater on this. And they rarely need any help from anybody because they'll just run you over. But the screaming sound you should hear will come from the wealthiest and most powerful college football franchise in the game today. The one that will buy you out or run you over. You don't screw them over, ever. The University of Texas should already start screaming. I'm I'm saying should already. Okay, what would, that's would, happen for Texas to complain about? Okay, a lot. It's justified here. I'm not saying this to be a, a homer or a face painter. Uh, they, they would have real reason to complain. And the one group you don't want complaining is the University of Texas because they'll get you. Okay? They'll get you. They don't lose. A lot, and I suggest um, a lot of the conversation should be ramped up, and that is it's unfair if we are passed over. Rhetoric should start now. I mean, as in, you better hurry up. As in, start making that noise right away. You better start saying as many different ways as you can. I know it's going to look weird because you have a conference championship game coming up, but it doesn't matter right now. 
you are faced with the real prospects for the first time in the history of that wealthiest school on the planet, most powerful place on the planet, for the first time ever, you are faced with the prospect of getting screwed over. And you better start talking. You better start influencing that group of 13 bureaucrats who can be easily influenced. Let's not act as if these people have some sort of data they're following. They're a bunch of stiffs who can easily be swayed. So, start complaining. Yeah, I'm telling my alma mater, who never has to complain. They'll just sue you. You do know that, right? They'll run you over and they will sue you. And you lose. They'll turn green space in the middle of Austin into a strip mall if they feel like it and run you over in the process. They need to start complaining now. So I'll do it for Texas. Not that they need any help, but I'll do exactly and say exactly what has to be said now in every minute between now and Monday. This is how it should play out. If there is a spot open, okay, in the idiotic four-team field, Texas makes a very reasonable claim that it won its league. Now, if they lose to Oklahoma State, a team that is not very good, they can't stop the run at all, a team that got rolled by Central Florida, you can't beat them, shut your face, and get out of here, right? That goes without saying. But they're a double-digit favorite against a team that cannot stop the run. It's a bad, bad matchup. It has blowout written all over it. So I'm going to make some assumptions here, and I think they should too. Start talking. You better start scaring that committee, and they'll do it. Don't worry. They'll scare them. So you make the claim that you've won your league. You can't pass over a team that won its league. Uh, This goofball committee has ranked Ohio State in front of Texas as of yesterday evening. And if you were to follow any kind of logic, you know, just sort of slide teams up. You know, somebody gets knocked out, Florida State, well, naturally they would slide up, right? Um, You better be worried about that. I'm not positive it happens that way, but you better be worried about it. You better be making your case that that's not okay because it's not. It's really not. I hate the system. I hate this system, and this is a goofball system because of the very thing we're talking about now. But Texas should be able to scream and make a very compelling argument that you do not, do not give our spot when we've won our conference. You can't give up that spot to Ohio State who didn't even play in the conference championship game. Forget whether you think Ohio State is better than Texas, and that's how stupid this thing is. That's how it operates. Yeah, Ohio State's probably better than Texas. But you can't have, quote, a tournament. You can't have a playoff and just dismiss the fact that somebody won their own conference and have them lose a spot to someone who didn't even play for a conference championship. That can't be okay. I know there's no rules, but that can't be okay. You can't make a case that that's okay. So it's not an outrageous hot take to say you shouldn't be in the Final Four over a team that won its own major conference. If Ohio State is better than Texas, they are probably. doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter in the context of this. Um, they both have one loss, and one of them will be fresh off a conference championship. That's good enough. That's what Texas should be saying now, and every minute it can, and who cares if Oklahoma State is offended by that. You better start influencing that committee of stiffs 
now. They can be influenced. They can be scared. And you better start. Texas had better start making the noise. I don't know who does it. It'd be kind of weird if the players do it. That's not a great look, but be a little odd if the coach did. I don't care. It doesn't matter. You better start filling in that space of this argument saying that's not okay, that's not right, and everyone with common sense knows that's the case. You can't put them in ahead of a team that won its league. So those that are going to the airport Hilton conference room to get some bagels and cigarettes, um, they may go in there thinking, if you're Texas, here's your concern. They may go into that room for the bagels and name tags and all this stuff, the breakout sessions. They may go in there with this idea that this tournament works by next man up. The next man up, in this case, would be Ohio State. Texas would have gotten screwed. So let's be clear about something in this very slimy sport that has no ethics, no morality, no guidance, no leadership, no progressive thoughts whatsoever. It's getting what it deserves. It's a dumpster fire of an industry. But you need to understand, and they need to make it pretty clear, Texas doesn't get screwed, period. I'll go screw over somebody else, screw over Florida State, screw over Oregon, screw over whoever you want. You won't screw them. They need to make that noise. They actually need to influence and start influencing that committee of dorks right away. So, here's what Texas has to do. Pretty simple concept here. One, blow out a mediocre Oklahoma State team that cannot stop the run. Got it? Blow them out. Score 100. Don't stop scoring. That's how stupid the system is. But since you are now in a 48-hour PR rush... You better score a bunch of points. A bunch. Then, and probably before then, start making noise about how unfair it would be for a conference champion to get bumped. Say it just like that. A hundred times. Now, hopefully this whole thing works out perfectly. The undefeated teams all get in and somehow people go, see Ward, they had it figured out from the very beginning. That's fine. In the end, I just want this idiotic discussion to go away. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Hey, bro, listen to the Jeff Ward Show. Better like that, kid. All right, on Twitter or X or whatever it's called this week, uh, it's blown up. I was semi-active this morning, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., whatever it was, on Twitter, just pointing out everything I just said in a 22-minute rant about how... <sighs> it's ter- I guess if we host a talk show, it's terrible to say... It doesn't, it doesn't play well, does it? To say, oh, my God, I hate this system. I hate talking about it. Then I spend most days talking about it. This time, it was unavoidable. At Jeff Ward Show, people love talking about the college football championship for the same reason people discuss politics, religion, calling to talk radio shows, etc. It welcomes and uh, and allows the absolute absurd. Um, yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, it's um, it's not productive. You know, the discussion isn't productive at all. <laughs> it's really not. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's hard not to have an opinion when you're when the premise is this. Well, what do you think? Does that look better than that? 
Of course you have an idea, right? The NFL, we don't have these arguments. Yeah, we, we argue all the time about who's better and stuff. Um, you know, real legitimate arguments. But um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's we we all do enjoy. We can't help but argue the absurd. There. Uh, at Jeff Ford Show, I'd rather have the old system that was in place when you played, uh, when you played in this goofy one. At least the major bulls meant more and were fun to watch. Rose, orange, sugar, cotton, and even those first few years of the Fiesta Bowl. I don't watch any of them now. I, I think it's right. I think you're exactly right. I do. It's not difficult. You know, I did a, you go back and look. I'm sure I had a podcast segment at some point where I said, look, here's the way it ought to work. Um, it's have a real playoff, you know, just steal straight from the NFL. It, it It's more interesting. It really is. It's more fun. It's more meaningful. And you have 16 teams, and uh, you win your league. The, you know, you divide all these giant leagues into two halves. You win your divisions. You go into the playoffs. There. You know, like what the NFL does. And then playoffs matter. But, and I know you've heard me say this before, that the industry and the setup is so governed by powerful, rich coaches who want no part. They want their directional school ass kickings. Okay? They're the ones that bully everyone that were, you know, the so-called bosses. The system is the way it is because these coaches like it that way. They don't want... They don't want winners and losers. They want to be able to handpick. It's like boxing or something. They want to handpick the wins. That's why it's, in my opinion, that's why it is, the way it is. Uh, at Jeff Ford Show, did you see that Mike Gundy got coach of the year in the Big 12? I did. I did. Mr. Newsmax is uh, Big 12 coach of the year, named in the past hour. So... Um, did he deserve to be coach of the year? No, he didn't. And I don't say that because he's wearing a MAGA hat on the sidelines. Um, I say that because they just got their ass kicked by Central Florida. Okay, I mean, I'll tell you, I think is the I think is the Big Twelve coach of the year in a bad year for the Big Twelve, and. You know, Steve Sarkeesian is, um, you know, a bad four-down series against Oklahoma and no coverage in the end zone against Oklahoma from being the coach of the year, but they were expected to win all their games. So I get why he's not the coach of the year. And if he's not, then I think it probably has to be you're going to say, well, Jeff, they lost twice. I think the coach of the year is probably Brent Venables. I do. And from where they were to what they are now, He's done a better job. It's been a pretty good job. In a year in which there's not many great coaching jobs, because it's just not really, you know, Texas has mostly done what it's supposed to do. It's sort of lived up to it. Oklahoma, in my opinion, has overachieved a little bit compared to where they were a year ago. They were a train wreck on defense a year ago, and they're light years better. Oklahoma State is, I don't know that he's done a terrible job. I, I just, I don't think, I don't think, Mike Gundy has done the job that Brent Venables has there. That's probably who I would vote for for Coach of the Year. Not that it's that easy of a choice because it's just not a very good year. At Jeff Ford Show, let's have more fun by giving OU the spot in the championship game over Oklahoma State because Oklahoma State lost badly to Central Florida, which overrides their close win over OU. Now, 
Who gets to tell Coach Maga Mullet the news? <laughs> At Jeff Ward's show, if conference championships are the key factor in determining who makes the CFP, why do they release standings before the conference championships are played? Um, I don't know that this, obviously this committee doesn't believe that conference championships are the key factor. I, I don't think they do. I, I think you should. I do. I think you should just play your way in. Leagues should matter. Winning a conference championship should matter. Not an eyeball test um, by who had a better loss or who had a better blowout than someone else. I, I don't think anyone agrees. Not the committee doesn't agree with my system, obviously. The coaches don't agree with the system. So I, I think you're probably right. I, that committee believes in what it sees and thinks it's the best team, and that's how they rank them. I think it's asinine. But it may work out. It may. All four may be undefeated on Saturday night, and the conversation is over. And everything worked out. There. Uh, there are a couple of ways to go with this. I'm not optimistic. I assume blowback. Because if I ever even say the word Trump, I get blowback. Too bad. Like every semi-political discussion, I, of course, have to explain my ideology because some of you refuse to hear it. Okay, You just refuse it. I've only been doing this 20-something years, and I've been pretty clear and pretty consistent. But I'll do this to get it out of the way. I have a very libertarian bent by most definitions. I despise politics because I despise how we manage politicians because it's a career. It's everything we're not supposed to be about. It's a career. I despise it. It's a self-centered, wealth-generating career. I despise authoritarians. I kind of like a little bit of anarchy. I do. I like consumers to make choices. I like people to spend their money. I like to be left alone. I don't need some self-centered, hypocritical, holier-than-thou jackass at the Capitol to talk to me about sexuality. Not an issue for you. Um, I despise authoritarians. It's un-American in every single way. And to be honest with you, that's mostly Donald Trump's appeal. He has no ideology. He's a prisoner of the audience. But his appeal to the audience is authoritarian. Not completely, but it's that sort of ballpark. Um, the ideology of MAGA supporters is pretty much this. Um, and I'm saying this so you won't work hard to convince me otherwise because there's an interesting sort of sports angle to all this. Um, so I'm just trying to say this so you just won't work hard at trying to tell me otherwise. Um, and that is um, two things. I'll take, I'll take things back to the way they used to be. People love that. Yeah, the old days. Okay, that's appeal number one. That, by the way, is economic suicide. It is. Um, it's very nationalistic, big government authoritarian appeal. That's what the appeal is. My, um, my way to a lot of people is do it my way. Sounds cool to a lot of people. You don't like different. You don't like a little anarchy. You don't like different people. So it's, it's a popular appeal. That is the appeal. I acknowledge that. I don't agree with that ideology. I despise it. There. Don't try to convince me otherwise. Now, connecting the dots with Mark Cuban is understandable. 
And yes, I transferred from Cuban to, from Trump to Cuban for good reason. He sold his shares. It's just come out. Mark Cuban has sold his shares. Shares. I don't know how he pulled this off, but that's why he's worth billions. He sold controlling interest in the Dallas Mavericks for, I believe, $3 billion on a franchise he spent, what was it, $200 million or something? But somehow he's still got controlling interest. Okay. He's stepping away, he says now, from Shark Tank. He's, to be honest, he's had an exploratory run for president. I've talked about it before. It came up a few years ago. Um, the Democrats have an old man problem, a serious old man problem. Republicans have a Trump problem. It makes sense on the front end, okay? It would make sense that there's an opportunity, whether it's Mark Cuban or someone else. I mean, just, just numerically, you look at our map. You look at most normal non-extremists, you know, people with jobs and lives um, who don't care about your sexuality. I mean, and you would think, God, there's a big, there's a big opportunity here. So it all, it all kind of makes sense. It does. It makes numerical sense. It makes common sense to most people. Um, to many of us, I didn't know anything about Trump early on. God knows I learned being yelled at every day. Um, Mark Cuban has had the appeal that Trump had early on. That is an outsider, which I get perfectly reasonable to like that. Um, a successful business person. No doubt he's done that. Trump, no. Don't, don't argue that. No, he's not. Um, and understanding the importance of entertainment value. Mark Cuban very much gets that. So he's all those things. He's like a better version of Trump. If you, if you like those things about Trump, you don't. That's not your real appeal, I know. But, you know, if that kind of concept works, it works even better with Mark Cuban. All those things. Outsider, real, real business person. I mean, really has made the money. Gets it. An innovator, a disruptor who loves disruption. That's healthy, America. Disruption is always healthy. Old ways are not healthy. Disruption is always healthy. Um, and he's got some entertainment value. So it's in a lot of ways, he's that he's what a lot of people thought Trump might be. He's that. So he's a guy who did have an exploratory committee, whatever that means, floating the idea. And I think for pretty good reason, why not me? Um, along the way, Trump is hijacked by rednecks because he's a prisoner of the audience. That's all he is, a prisoner of the audience. So the rednecks got him. Um Cuban has all this stuff. I mean, there is, if you like those things, there is that appeal. It works. So, yes, him running would not only be viable, I would argue it's healthy. Now, I'm, of course, a person who thinks that more disruption is better, more candidates is better, more ideology is better, more real debate is better, not just, you know, not just hate all the time. It would all be healthy. So the idea that as of today, people are connecting the dots that Mark Cuban would be running, it makes sense that Democrats have an old man eating soup problem and the Republicans have a that guy's a nut job problem. It makes sense. It does. It made sense a few years ago. I'm trying to remember the exact year that I talked about this when it came out that he had put together exploratory committee, that he was looking into it. Um, it was this. It was this Colin Cowherd, who I, I, I like his podcast. I do. Um, 
I'm interested in football stuff. I'm interested in hating politics. I like to hate politics. I hate it. It's not real. It's fake. Um, and economics, so it appeals to me. Um, that's my area of interest. I get where he's going with this. I thought this was fairly well thought out. So my first take is recent polling indicates Biden is not a viable candidate. Oh, my goodness. And, and <laughs> Mark Cuban is, to me, a centrist, a left-leaning centrist, and has an interest in it. There's no reason in one week to make these moves. My guess is it signals a political upheaval in the Democratic Party, and Cuban could become a leading candidate with the vice president being selected by the Democratic Party. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I want to say those dots are connected. I think I just laid it out for you. Those dots are connected pretty well. One old dude's eating, drinking soup, eating soup. What do we do with soup? I never know what to do with soup. Soup means, in Jeff's mind, you're really, really old. Um, yeah, I think uh, I, I think a lot of people would want this. I think you should want it. I think if you're a non-extremist, you should want it. I think if you have a pulse, you should want it. He won't run. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't think so. You know, here's why. Here's where we really are. Um, look, you, 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 you can think of Mark Cuban as a hothead. You can think of Mark Cuban as, um, you know, an egomaniac. You can th think of those things very clearly. I interviewed Howard Schultz. I don't know when that was. A couple years. I don't know when it was. Who also was exploring the idea of running. And... If you just look at the economic, if you look at the political landscape of today and you're a normal person with a real life who says, man, you know, pave the roads, um, you know, talk to me before we go to war and uh, let's debate taxes. If you're that person with a real life, real functioning life, um, you don't need any more than that kind of thing then these people would appeal to you. And so Howard Schultz, I interviewed him and, and listened to him. And then finally, he said, after everything he said, which made perfect sense to a lot of people, and I think it's the very reason you're hearing this stuff about Mark Cuban now. Yeah, 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 I know a rich guy, but only a rich person will be able to have the ability to sort of put together a committee to study this stuff. In the end, he said, I'm out. I can't win. They'll eat me alive. The extremists will eat me alive. The system is impossible to penetrate. Now, we're not talking about losers here. We're talking about smart people, Mark Cuban and Howard Schultz. We're not talking about the only people who get in politics are disgusting people. <laughs> They're the only ones crazy enough to get in there. They don't give a crap about their family. The decent people say, I'm out, man. I looked into it. No way am I doing that. No way. I'm not getting in there. That is, that's a dumpster fire. Those people are trash. Howard Schultz is out, and I think Mark Cuban will be out. No way. Our system, let me say it this way, in my opinion, let's disagree. Again, to a lot of you, your litmus test on politics is maybe one or two things. Um, but for most people, it is kind of generalized. And how, how does this feel? See if you agree with this. He or someone like him, male or female, tech or not tech, I don't care, 
um, reasonable people with reasonable ideas that appeal to most of you, that could debate with you about the merits of a flat tax or not a flat tax, the merits of um, Ukraine or not Ukraine. I mean, just the merits of real policy, of real substance for a change. They look at this. I think of my conversation with Howard Schultz, and he said, I wouldn't win. That system is so bad and so set up and rigged. No, I'm not going there, man. I think Mark Cuban's going to say the same thing. I think he said it a couple years ago when I think he really, really was. The Democrats probably came to him and said, please, we got to get some help. The Democrats, I think Colin Coward's probably right. The Democrats have said, oh, my gosh, you can breathe. You have a pulse. You can finish a sentence. Please get in. And I do think ego and all that stuff probably brings these guys. I'll use Howard Schultz and Mark Cuban as the examples. I think it brings them to the table. And they look at it and say, yeah, yeah, I, I, could, I could do that. Yeah, I can make a difference. I most people we're on the same page. I these these people that I that I, I use Howard Schultz as an example. He said not these he didn't talk about um left-leaning issues. He talked about stuff that most of you would be perfectly fine with. And when they get right there, they look in there and they see that industry, they see a rig system, and they just go, "I'm out." I'm out. And I think Mark Cuban within however many times it comes up, because I think it's going to come up a lot over the next 24 hours, I think he's going to say, there is no way I'm putting my family through that. And I wouldn't blame any normal family person for saying, I'm not going into that trash. No way. I might want to go in there myself. I can maybe handle it, but I cannot ruin my life. If you care about your own family, you would never go into politics. No way. It is, it makes the cartels look ethical. It's so disgusting. I I don't, I'd love for a bunch of people to jump in the race. You should want the same. You should want disruption. You should not want any sort of model where it's a duopoly. I don't care if it's toothpaste or presidential candidates. You shouldn't want that. You should want Mark Cuban and 12 other people in. I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, look, when you think about this, um, Trump, the election is now this. This is where we are. This is why most people just go about their lives and think, oh, screw it. I'm out, man. There's nothing here for me. Um, it's either Trump or not Trump. That's the vote. There. Everyone else has been run off. Common sense would tell you someone other than those two 80-somethings would be in the race, but the reason is nobody normal under the age of 80 wants to run because they can't win. It's a system of... I was about to say something very terrible. I was about to use the term... No. It is a system of sucking your own exhaust fumes. The people that are in it are all in the industry of politics to get wealthy. And so these people get in there and they're 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 like the cartels. You come and take my you come and try to take my monopoly away, I'll cut your head off. I'll ruin your family. So what you get is the extremes. The extreme Trump Trump show up and the extreme not Trump shows up. And these other people like Mark Cuban are going to say, "No way, man. I'm getting out." That's dirty. <laughs> no way. Uh, we need Mark Cuban to run. 
I just prepare yourself for people to connect the dots. Cuban might be doing it himself. He did it a few years ago. Try to pretend that he didn't. Um, so uh, great. It'd be neat. Um, it'd be healthy. But we need six or eight different people to run with different ideology, like the real ideology, like some real substance. But they won't because they can't win. Neither can Mark Cuban. And I, I'm guessing. For everyone, and I think I think Colin Coward's take on this is is not far off. Um, I've had this. I said the exact same thing a few years ago. It makes sense. It makes sense to all of you right now. Anybody but those two old guys, right? Yeah. Except, think about the people. Someone like Mark Cuban or anyone that cares about their family, they can't go there. <laughs> they just can't. No decent human can go anywhere near that industry. That's how bad it is. I do hope, I hope I'm wrong, and I hope decent people get in, and a bunch of people get in who say, I'm only here for the short term, I'm not going to make a career out of it, because you should hate career politicians. That's the reason why it sucks. Any one of us got in the business, we'd do it too. We would find a way to increase our own net worth by 20%. We'd cut off as many heads as we could. We'd keep the job forever. So you should want all these people to jump in. They won't. Um, I'm just hopeful that Mark Cuban makes a big deal out of why he won't run. I know that sounds weird. Because I think he's going to have to say more talk show hosts and more people connect the dots. And he's going to be forced to say, I'm not in. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. But I, my hope is he then uses his skill set, his edge, his intelligence, his snarkiness to give everyone the lecture I'm trying to give. And that is, hey, look. I'm not going, I'm not running, guys, and let me tell you why. I got a family I care about, and the people in that industry are trash. And they're trash because it's your fault, America. Look at the trash you've done. You extremists, you've let the extremists take over. And now look, I wish he would lecture us all. I wish he would embarrass us all for the reasons why he doesn't run. I'd love for him to run, but... If he doesn't, I hope he lectures us on how trashy we are for what we've let happen. That might be the healthiest thing at all. I'm not running. I want to tell all of you why I'm not running. And then I hope he lays it out. I, I said the same thing to Howard Schultz, but he doesn't really have that edge in him like Cuban does. I think Cuban has got the guts and he's fearless and made enough money, real money, not the fake kind, what Trump does, um, that he would, he might take the opportunity. I'd love to do it and say, hey, Lecture the world on why you won't run. Go ahead, say it. Say it. I think that might be the healthiest thing that comes out of him not running, even though I think the next 24 hours, because of what he's done with the Mavericks and Shark Tank and these committees he's put together, the research, I think people are going to talk about it a lot. So I think he's going to be forced to say he's not going to do it and why. Jeff Ward, weekdays on 102.7 ESPN. Shut up, Smoker Voice. My kids are talking. Man, I have to get them to start. We gotta, I got to hand the phone in the back of the car. Um, it's been amazingly quiet recently. I've got lost, been lost, and why is it so quiet back there? Oh, I can't imagine the blowback now. Jeff, you suck, you suck, you hate Trump, blah, blah. Yes, that is correct. Yes. I own my takes. At Jeff Ward Show. 
Very good point here. I hadn't thought it through, I guess. Is it legal for you to play a Colin Cowherd clip? Yeah. Yeah. Is it a good idea? Probably not. No. I liked it, though. I thought... I thought it's sad. I mean, when I, I'm a big fan of, obviously, of, I call it ear candy. I mean, stuff that's sad. I, 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 I just think different voices are, are good for you to pick up on. And if it's sensible or interesting, that's my only rule. Is it compelling? That's it. But, yeah, you're probably right. It wasn't a great idea. Let's have a giant ESPN sign in front of my face. Uh, kidding aside, I've often thought you two would have some great conversations together on a podcast. Yeah, he's... Um, he... he has he's I think he started a network. Um it's good. It's uh it's different. I I like him. I do. I, I have no problem. I, I don't know that many talk shows that I like. Again, a lot of it's stuff that I'm interested in that maybe doesn't appeal to a lot of you. I found him over time growing into um almost a more serious, straightforward Maybe with age comes some fearlessness, um, but I, I like that. A very sensible guy, yes. Very reasonable and practical and sensible and uh, not a complete suck-up and perfectly fine owning a screw-up here or there. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm good with it. Uh, thank you for pointing out, though, it wasn't legal. <laughs> I don't know how illegal it was, but not a great idea. I don't know what this kid's supposed to say otherwise, but remember I mentioned yesterday Deion Sanders' son, who has been sacked 52 times. He has been hit more than any quarterback in Division I football, and he's a good athlete. If he wasn't a good athlete, he couldn't get away from those sacks. He's still been beaten down, and he's a talented player. And I know his dad knows this, and I know his dad is thinking, I can't win without him. True. But... He is being beaten into no longer being an NFL prospect. He has a broken back. A broken back. This guy is a real talent, a real smooth quarterback, a smart quarterback. He's got game. And so, you know, now he came out and just said, I've, I've got a broken back. He plays another year. Think in terms of if you were to invest $100 million dollars. You'd be scared. You might be scared off. He's coming back to play another year, Colorado, to take a beating again. Caleb Williams is crazy. I don't think he's a crazy person. He seems to be a pretty sensible guy. His dad seems like a pretty smart guy. I think this is just, he's just being polite or trying to gain leverage. If that kid were to come back and play, you're insane. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Caleb Williams is a quarterback at USC. It's not his fault they're mediocre. It's his head coach's fault because he hates defense, apparently. Caleb Williams, at any point this year, would be the number one pick in the NFL draft. That will be the day you sign, you will have $75 million. Flame out, freak out, whatever. Okay? But... Every spot that you drop goes millions of dollars. It could happen to Shadour Sanders because he now has a broken back and it's, it's, he's now damaged goods. So Caleb Williams, a quarterback at USC, said whether or not he's coming out. Like, what are you talking about? I'm the guy who said he should not play half the season. He should have left. 
He should have left. He should say, I got to go now. We're not going to win the league. We're not going to win a national championship. And it's foolish for me to risk everything playing on a 7-5 and five team. I really, I really think that. And I think most of his teammates would say, right on, man. If I could get out of here and go be where you are, I'd do it in a heartbeat. That's what they're all there for. That's what they're there for. So for him to come out and tell the L.A. Times that he hasn't decided <laughs> whether or not he's coming out is absolutely insane. The answer is, I look forward to the next chapter. I, he can't say this, but that's code for, I'm healthy now, I want to get rich playing the game I love. And no one would fault him for that. I will fault him and say that you are crazy, young man, if you go back to college. I give you Shador Sanders with a broken back. Okay? Look what's happening to his market value now. You're crazy. He says it's going to be a game-time decision whether or not he will declare for the NFL draft by the January 15 deadline. Wow. Um, There's no way he comes back. The fact that he's even hinting at it is disturbing. Disturbing. You look at Shadour Sanders when he's playing against TCU. Granted, it's TCU. Not a very good defense. He's moving around. I even said that week, that is an NFL player right there. It's an NFL arm. It's NFL eyes. It's NFL footwork. Go get rich, kid. Go do it. He stuck around, stuck around, and they just hammered this guy. He's now got a broken back. For everybody, and not everybody is uh, not everybody's a Caleb Williams. Not everybody's a Shooter or Sanders. But the, the physical problems he's now having should be the message to everyone who could be a top 10 pick. You've got to go and do it when you can. This kid suggesting otherwise is absolutely crazy. His coach, who I question a lot now, his coach should jump in the middle of this conversation and say, he doesn't have to say that. He needs to go be the first pick in the draft, and he needs to be as successful as he can because that's what he was here for, and that's what all these guys in the locker room want. They wish they could have it. He needs to go get it now. Make sure you check out the Jeff Ward Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.